Alright, so look at verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, uh, uh, unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Now let me stop right there for a minute, and I want to talk about what I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching on what baptisms count. What baptisms count, and this is continuing this series on decently and order. This is a question I've been asked many times. You know, what baptisms count? Who can, who can baptize? I've had soul winners in other countries that are in places where they do not have a good church to go to, and they're out soul winning as they should be. They're getting people saved, and, but they're, they often ask me, uh, you know, can we baptize them? Because people ought to get baptized, but at the same time, uh, I don't believe that just anyone should baptize. I don't believe that just anybody that saved can be baptized. I really don't believe that. So, you know, people ask, well then who can baptize? You know, does it have to be an ordained minister? I mean, what what are the rules when it comes to baptism? And this is another area where I don't believe the Bible spells it out for us, but I do believe that we as a church are to judge and I believe we have some authority as a church to decide what baptisms we will recognize that people have received, and who, I believe, as a church, we can decide who can baptize in our church. And so I want to explain all that as we go through this message because there there can be a lot of confusion and there's going to no two churches are going to be exactly the same on this either. So I'm going to explain what our policy is on this. And I'm going to also show that I do believe this is another area where there can be differences. And all these sermons I've been preaching, I've been kind of showing that. There's areas where we can all be different. And I hope nobody thinks I'm like just taking a compromising, I just want to get along with everybody tone. I'm not that kind of person. I am naturally just divisive. I naturally want to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. That's just who I am. But sometimes, that's just not the case. Sometimes things just aren't real cut and dry. And once again, there are some things that God left to the church to decide. And I believe in this, uh, there, when it comes to baptism, when it comes as far as who can baptize in, in a church, I believe that's up to the church. When it comes, when it goes to what baptisms we will accept, because we require if someone's going to be a member here, that they need to be saved and they need to have been scripturally baptized. So what does that mean to be scripturally baptized? We have to figure that out because there's a lot of people out there baptizing that we would agree aren't doing it right, that we would agree are not saved, that are not real churches. So we have to be able to figure these things out. We have to judge these things. These are things that God has called us to, as a church, to judge. And not everything is going to have a real clear Scripture verse that we can go to and say, boom, there it is. And I wish tonight I can get up here and I can give you a list of all religions whose baptisms count. I wish I could do that and then just show you this list and then cement it in everyone's minds that these ones count, these other ones don't. I wish it was that simple. Not everything is that simple. 
sometimes we have to judge. And that goes against the whole judge not philosophy of the world, but you know, uh, those are people who only like to read two words in that chapter and don't want to read the rest of the Bible. Okay? And we do have to judge some things. Because obviously we're not going to discount any baptism. And notice too, when Jesus, or when the Apostle Paul is writing here, he mentions that how, it, how you know, he's heard there's divisions among you. He mentions how he wants them to be perfectly joined together. And as a church, we should be united when it comes to these things. But we don't necessarily have to be united with every church that's out there. We can we can be a little different, but we ought to all be on the same page here. And notice how he mentions too, you know, in the same mind and in the same judgment. He's telling them, y'all need to be judging things the same. Y'all need to get together on these things. And then he goes on to specifically say, the problem that they're having in their church is people are their factions forming in the church. Some saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos. He's saying that's wrong. He said, you weren't baptized in the name of Paul. And then in verse 14, he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the Gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And I'll say a little more about that passage here in a little bit. But... Obviously, we should not just count any baptism as a church. We all know we should not count a Catholic sprinkling. How many of you have ever been sprinkled by a Catholic before? All right, we've got some in here that were sprinkled by Catholics, and it was probably as a baby, and it was probably before you got saved. All right, I'm just assuming. Obviously, we're not going to count that. If somebody comes in and we ask them, you know, hey, if you're saved, you know, if they profess Christ, and we're going to ask them, have you been baptized? And they're like, yeah, I got sprinkled as a baby. Well, they haven't been baptized. That's not a scriptural baptism. Everyone would agree we should not count that baptism. But what about a Mormon immersion? Would we count that? Well, they got baptized by immersion. Yeah, but it was in the Mormon church. Well, what about the Church of Christ, though? You know, because they do immersion too. And they do it after salvation. But they also kind of do it for salvation. And that's a huge problem right there too. And that's a lot of religions. A lot of religions that even do them by immersion, they do it for salvation. They're teaching the people that you have to do this to be saved. Well, you don't get saved by being baptized. Okay, So, should we count a baptism that someone did in order to get saved? We shouldn't even recognize that salvation in that situation. Those people, if they were trusting in their baptism to get them to heaven, then they need to get saved. So we're not gonna we're not gonna accept that. It, it doesn't it doesn't you know we're, we've got to judge these things. We're gonna to have to look at that situation and decide. We know we you know so the th- but the thing is you know so what's you know there, there might be some in between in there, okay? Because then well what about what if it was a non-denom church that was a baptism after, you know after salvation but not for salvation in obedience. You know, what if it was, you know, because obviously, you know, we're not Baptist writers here. I don't believe that Baptists are the only ones that can baptize right. Some people believe that though. Some Baptists do believe that. Because who is Jesus baptized by? John the Baptist. So, yeah. so uh, but, and you know, and it's, not, and the, those people, they don't even know how to say Baptist. I promise, if you ever hear anybody preaching that you have to be 
baptized by a Baptist, I promise you, they don't even know how to say the word Baptist. They're going to say Baptist. Not Baptist, but Baptist. I promise. They will do that. It, it will say Baptist. It's just, uh, it's just a fact. So just watch that. If they ever say Baptist, they're, they're brighter. They don't, it's just, it's just a fact. It's just, anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked on that. But, you know, we obviously know we shouldn't count a baptism by a Buddhist monk. But what if you were baptized by someone who ended up being lost? You know, Brother Brian, he's not here tonight, but he mentioned he got baptized by Tyler Baker. Okay, not at Valiant Baptist Church, though. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, does that count? Does he need to get rebaptized because you know Tyler Baker turned out to be an unsaved heretic? You know, we've got to judge these things. You know, can a can a brother baptize his little sister in the swimming pool at home? Would we recognize that? You know, we, we you know we've got to we've got to judge these things. What baptisms count? You know, well, what if it was the dad that did it? You know, or what if it was the mom that did it? You know, these are things that we've got to decide. You know, can a circus clown baptize somebody? I mean, obviously, if you know, I brought you know, I preached that message on ordination. I talked about Adam Fannin's church. Some people got mad at me for it, you know, and I was just like. You know, would you count an ordination done by, you know, three circus clowns, two lesbians, and, you know, three teenagers? All right, now, that wasn't who ordained Adam Fannin, but we wouldn't count that, would we? If we all saw Adam Fannin getting baptized by circus clowns, would we have accepted that? No. Okay, what if those same circus clowns took off their wigs and makeup? Now, does it count? You all see how you've got to have some kind of order to these things? And so if some circus clown goes and baptizes somebody, even if he does in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost before he throws a ball at the thing and knocks, makes him fall into a dunk tank, all right, are, are we going to count that? So, well, you know, they're still going underwater. There's still immersion. I don't see in the Bible where it says they can't have clown makeup on or a clown wig or, you know, use dunk, get creative methods. Are we going to count it? If somebody comes to our church and says, yeah, I got baptized. I got baptized at Elevation Church. I went down the water slide into the baptistry. Are we going to count that? Okay, there's some things that ought to be done decently in order. And there are going to be situations because we live in a world of water slide baptisms. I haven't seen dunk, clown dunk tank baptisms yet. But give it time. Give it time. Because we live in a world like that, we've got to understand there's going to be situations regularly where we have to judge what baptisms count and who can baptize. That's a part of what we're going to have to do as a church. And it's not just spelled out in the Bible. Baptist, okay. Bible church, okay. As long as it's... you know, you know it, It's not there. So we have to decide what we're going to do. And I believe God respects our decision on these things. So... I wish I could give you the list. I can't. And while uh, you know there are definitely examples of baptisms that we could all agree don't count, there are some that maybe we're just not real sure about. You know, and because this is not spelled out, and some people claim it is spelled out, it's not. Okay, if you talk to the Baptist writers, they think it's spelled out John the Baptist. You know, that proves it, right? No, no, it doesn't. That doesn't prove it. But I believe there's, there are situations where we've just got to judge, and I believe it is our place, I believe it is our responsibility as a church to decide who can baptize in the church and what baptisms we will recognize. And so before we judge who can baptize and what baptisms we'll accept, let's establish a few things about baptism. All right. So first, let's learn a lesson 
from something I've been emphasizing throughout this series. All right? So when trying to find a command, you know, remember, we don't want to get too dogmatic just based on what we see in the book of Acts. We don't want to get super dogmatic when we just read something and it's just what they did. Okay? Yet we don't go, we don't prove you can marry multiple wives because David married multiple wives. But it's in the Bible. Well, yeah, so Sodom and Gomorrah. But, you know, there's, there's examples of just what they did. David also killed a man. He also committed adultery. That's just what happened. Sometimes they do things wrong. Let's try to go to clear Scripture. So let's look at some of Paul's writings on baptism. Let's see what we can learn from Paul's, Paul's writings on baptism because most Scriptures about baptism are in the Gospels where it's telling us what happened. And we can learn from those. We can definitely learn from those. Or in the book of Acts where it's just telling us what happened. But as far as it is teaching doctrine about baptism, let's see what Paul says. So notice here in verse 30 or verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 1, when Paul was talking here, how one thing we can learn is that first, it says in verse 13, it says, Is Christ divided? Or was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Notice, I think we can safely say the answer to that question. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer is no. You know what that tells me based on the writings of Paul? That the baptism you receive, it's not about who baptized you. Y'all get that? We're not, you're, nobody's baptized in the name of Tommy McMurtry. Okay? It, that's, that's not how it works. Verse 14 says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. Our baptism does not associate us with man. Okay, If you've been baptized by me, that does not necessarily associate you with me. Don't go telling people that you are of Tommy McMurtry. I didn't save you. I didn't die on the cross for you. That baptism that I performed, it did not represent me. It represented Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. So the truth is, you know, it's not about the person that baptized you. Okay, So... You know, Brother Brian's safe. Well, you know, it, uh, he he got baptized. I'll explain why I think his is legit. All right, even though it turned out to be an unsaved guy, because once again, it's not about the guy who baptized you. It's not about it's not about the individual. Okay, so verse sixteen, and I baptize also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So when Paul was sent to Corinth, his main mission was preaching the gospel and getting people saved. And that statement, God sent me not to baptize, it didn't mean he wasn't allowed to baptize, because he clearly did baptize some people. He named some people he baptized, didn't he? Okay? But, it, but it meant that was not his main mission. So, let me ask you this. If Paul's mission was not to baptize, but to preach the Gospel, do you think it's safe to say that people didn't need to be baptized to be saved? If you are required to be baptized to be saved, then why in the world did Paul not you know, make a bigger deal about baptism? He didn't make a big deal about it. That wasn't why he was there. He was there to preach the gospel. That's why he went to Corinth. He's there trying to get people saved. So, but notice though, in this passage, was this passage that we just read an explanation of baptism and everything 
that it means? Or was it a rebuke about divisions and trying to associate yourself with men and not with Christ? That's what that passage is really about. So while we learn things about baptism in there, at least what it's, it's more about what it's not, it's still not the perfect place to go where we can get all our answers. So look what it says in uh, uh, chapter 12 and verse 12. Because they were carnal. That was their problem. They were carnal. And so let's look at some of Paul's other writings that he said about baptism. So in chapter 12, verse 12, he says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So let me ask you this. Is this here teaching a universal church? Because we're all baptized into one body. Or, but I thought we don't believe in a universal church. Or is this talking about a local church? Well, here's the thing. This passage, it's not trying to describe the makeup of the church, whether it's a universal church or a local church. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to show how we're all a part of the same body. He's trying to show people... In an individual church, we are all a part of the same body. He's not trying to connect them with all the churches. He's trying to say, you all in here are all a part of the same body. You all make up a different part of that body. And every part of that body is important. And so while some people try to go here to prove a universal church, that's wrong because of the fact that he's not trying to prove the makeup of the church here. He's just trying to show this one assembly that you are, all, you are all one body and you're all important. And you all should be united because you were all baptized into the same body. Some people use that to say, well, when you get baptized, you're baptized into that church. Therefore, you've got to get baptized at every church you go to. That's not what he's trying to teach right there. What he's trying to teach right there is you all need to get united and you all need to realize you're important and don't let that, you know, don't, you know, take your role lightly Every part of the body is important. So it's just people often take things and run other directions with it. So Because it really doesn't matter whether it's talking about the local church or a universal church because ultimately it's teaching how we're all a part of the same body as a local church. And every part is important. That's what it's teaching. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you be Christ Jesus, if you be Christ, and are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Right here, it's just trying to show how we are all united with Christ. We're all a part of Christ. Trying to show how we are all Abraham's seed by faith when we're baptized into Christ. Okay? And so when a person, when a person gets baptized in the water, is that when they get baptized into Christ or is it when they get saved? Because what's he been talking about here? He's been speaking spiritually here. He's talking about being Abraham's seed. In Ephesians 4, verse 4 says, There is one body and one Spirit, as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So right there, he's saying one baptism. You're saying there's two different baptisms. He's just showing how there's, there's a unity here, how we're all united into one thing, but it is referring to something spiritual. Okay? The baptism of salvation is a spiritual thing. There is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and there is water baptism. Okay? And that baptism of the Holy Ghost, that spiritual baptism, 
It all baptizes us into one thing all into Christ. Okay, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there are local churches. That is, that's just kind of a separate thing. And people are trying to uh, put issues and they're trying to put doctrines in a passage that's talking about something completely different. Look at Colossians 2.11, what it says here. I think this is where it gets real clear. Or verse 10 says, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, Now, is this circumcision a physical one or a spiritual one? It's a spiritual one. There's no doubt about that. And then it says, "...buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead." This is obviously spiritual too, what he's talking about. "...and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the whale, wait, nailing it to His cross. So right here, it's very clear, these things that it's talking about are spiritual things when it comes to the baptism of salvation. That's mainly what Paul talked about. Paul mainly talked about the spiritual aspect of it in his writings. So now, are there any clear verses in the epistles that spell out what baptism is for us. But the truth is, I don't think there are really any with Paul's epistles, but it is clear, it, to me that's one of the clearest proofs that water baptism has nothing to do with salvation. All that Paul wrote about salvation, all that he wrote in the Romans wrote and he doesn't talk about water baptism, why would he leave that out if it was a part of salvation? I'll tell you why. Because it's not. You know why? Because water baptism it is a church thing. It is something that we do as a church. And let me tell you, when it comes to somebody getting saved, that is a spiritual thing on an individual basis. Anyone can go soul winning who's saved. Anyone who's saved can lead someone to Christ and they can change their eternal destination from hell to heaven. Anyone who is saved can do that. But when it comes to baptism, when it comes to a water baptism, that is a church thing. That is an earthly thing. That And that is an earthly ministry that God gave to the church and not just anyone can do it. So we've got to, we've got to understand that this is something that we've got to judge. And I believe baptism, it's the same as good works. Good works have nothing to do with salvation, but they ought to be done after somebody gets saved. And baptism has nothing to do with salvation, but it ought to be done after salvation. But to me, one of the clearest verses that shows what baptism is, it's not in Paul's epistles, but it's in Peter's epistle. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, he says, "...the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ." Okay, baptism. When, you know, when when Miss Jessica got baptized on Wednesday, I didn't wash away her sins. Okay, her sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when she believed on Him. But you know what we did see? We saw the answer of a good conscience towards God. That's that's a public way of stating I have put my faith and trust for salvation in Jesus Christ. And because our fellowship is with God and His Son. 
That's what we have decided that we are all about. That's what this church is all about. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And so if somebody wants to come and they want to be a part of our church and they want to fellowship with us, we want to know, well, hey, are you even fellowship with Christ? Are you associating yourself with Christ? And what? And how do we do that? We do it by baptism. And so if they've never been baptized, we'll baptize them here. If they've been baptized before, well, we'll ask them, when were you baptized? Was it after you were saved? Did you get baptized so you could go to heaven or because you were going to heaven? Who baptized you? We'll ask that question. Because once again, we've got to judge these things and these are all legitimate questions. They're all important questions. And so just real quickly, I'm going to try to... I said I don't want to preach long tonight. I, rumors out that I've been preaching kind of long lately on Sunday nights. So I'm going to try to keep it a little short tonight. Just, just be nice. All right? a little, you know. I believe... Uh, we believe that baptism should be performed under the authority of the local church. Now, why is that? Okay. Once again, I didn't get up here and I show you just plain spelled out scripture, did I? I haven't showed you that. But you know, so when once again, when we can't show you a clear spelled out command, then it's okay for us to go and just look and see what they did. Okay, that's okay. That's when we have to do that. And as long as what we see them doing, if it doesn't violate a clear command somewhere else, then let's just do that then. Based on what they did. That's a situation where we have to do that. But once again, we're not going to get crazy dogmatic on some of these things. So, um, you know, said there's some things that are so clear you can't get around it. Obviously, baptism means a covering. And every example you see of it in the Bible, it was an immersion. And just by definition, a sprinkling is not a baptism. So we're not going to count sprinkling, whether it was done by a priest, whether it was done by a Buddhist monk, whether it was done by a circus clown, or whether it was done by, you know, Lee Robertson himself. We're not going to count it. Okay? It doesn't count. That's just not even a baptism. By definition, you can see that just from reading the Scriptures in the Bible. So, the reason we believe I believe it's a local church thing, anytime the Bible mentions who baptized someone, it was always an ordained minister. For example, we see the disciples baptizing. It says in John 4.1, when therefore the Lord knew how the disciples had heard that Jesus made Him baptize more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself baptized not, but His disciples. The disciples did the baptizing. We know Jesus' disciples did baptizing. We see also Philip, and who was an ordained minister, Philip the Evangelist. He commanded the chariot to stand still with the Ethiopian eunuch, and they both went down and both went into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he talking about Philip baptized him. Acts ten forty seven it says, "Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as, as well as we?" And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they prayed. Uh, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So it looks like it was Peter. In there, he could have commanded to be baptized and he could have had somebody else do it. It looks like it was Peter, but anytime the Bible names who baptized someone, it was always an ordained leader. And it was another thing we see too, uh, well, the simple fact that since in the Bible baptism it was always public, it always involved the congregation or an ordained minister. You know, therefore, we should treat it the same way. I believe baptism should be very public. 
Now, there may be a situation where you know somebody can't make it to church to be baptized. They might want to go to the pond, the swimming pool, or something like that. But either way, it ought to be done by someone who is you know, in authority. It ought to be something that the church knows what's going on. I don't believe that people ought to just be going and doing their own thing and baptizing whoever. There might be a situation where you know, it can't be done in the most public way possible. So that's why you have a trusted leader in the church, someone who has been commissioned in the church to baptize, perform it. And so there might, there's going to be situations like that. But I'm sorry, you know, just you like, well, you know, my kid got saved. I'll, I'll, I'll just do it at home in the bathtub tonight. Well, there's no reason why you can't do it publicly. Right? It, it, you know, it's a public thing. We ought to make it a public and as public of a way as possible. Baptism is something that should be done under the authority of the church. In Matthew 28.18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. And then what did He do? When He said, All power is given unto Me and in heaven and earth. He's talking about authority right there. The power, the authority, it was given to Christ. And then He told them, His disciples, the ones that He had breathed on, the one He had said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. It was them that He told to go. And then He told them to baptize in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Ghost. There was some authority that was behind this. And I believe that we ought to, I believe we ought to follow these things and respect these things. I believe it was something He gave to the church. The authority that had been given to Jesus Christ, He passed on to the apostles. Look what it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll start reading verse 2. It says, Until the day He was taken up after that He through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart out of Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which He had which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so it was during this time when Jesus commissioned them to be uh, to go into all the world. When they went and then after they received that gift of the Holy Ghost, that was when everything kicked off. And we see that when they went and they baptized 3,000 people and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. We see in every example we see the apostles were around, leadership was around, there was a congregation around. The only the closest thing you see to a private situation is in the situation with the Ethiopian eunuch, but at the same time we have a, a, an ordained evangelist there, Philip, that's performing this thing, and I personally think I, I believe, I mean this is this, you know, eunuch that's under Candace the Queen. I think there was more than just Philip and the eunuch there. I personally, I don't think it was just those two guys. But at the same time, I have no problem if it is just two guys there because of the fact that Philip, as an evangelist, he has been commissioned by the church to go out, preach the gospel whoever he can, and to baptize. And so we as a church, I believe we can choose someone and we can send someone out maybe to go to an area that doesn't have any good churches and preach and baptize people. But it's something they're not just doing it on their own accord. They have been commissioned by the church to do that thing. 
They ha- they have some authority. Someone has given them the authority to do that. And the authority that had been given to Jesus Christ, He passed on to the apostles. And the church that we are a part of, it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets according to Ephesians chapter 2. And so I do believe a church can decide who can baptize in the church. Some churches, they might only want to use ordained members. Pastors, evangelists, deacons. But you know, I think... I don't think every church has to do it that way. I personally think that if we wanted to, we can maybe just, for example, if we were going to have a mission trip and I wasn't able to go, maybe we don't have any ordained deacons or anything, but we were having a mission trip and maybe I can have, you know, I could choose one of the leaders in the church and just basically commission them, hey, on this trip, we're authorizing you to do the baptisms in this situation. I think the church has the authority to do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be an ordained leader. I know Pastor Perry did that with one of the men in his church. They had a a souling thing in another country. Uh, you know, this man he's not ordained, but he basically commissioned him, authorized him to perform baptisms while on that trip. I think that's fine. It's kind of like because when it comes to us, it's it's about once again doing things decently in order. We're taking these things serious. It, it's almost like a temporary. Temporarily deputizing somebody. You ever seen that on shows before where they'll, maybe there's a situation where they're out trying to hunt down a bad guy, you know, and so what do they do? You know, they'll deputize a posse. Pretty much giving them temporary authority. And I believe a church can do that too. We can give someone temporary authority. That's kind of what you do when you send out an evangelist maybe to plant a church or whatever. You're kind of giving a temporary authority before you give them the full blown ordination. You know, it's going to vary from church to church how it's done. Either way, though, it ought to be done decently and in order. You know, another thing, the question will come up, well, can women baptize? I would say no. You say, why not? I don't ever see women doing it in the Bible. Not one time. Not one time do we see an example. And here's the why. You say, well, why not? Why not? Well, because the Bible spells out that women are not to be in authority in the church. And the truth is, when somebody is baptizing, it shows a position of authority and leadership. It shows that there is that authority behind them. And so it makes sense, based on what the Bible teaches about the woman's role in the church, that they wouldn't be doing it. Because baptism does have authority behind it. And since God said that they're not to usurp authority over the man in the church, then it would. why would we put them there? Why would we ordain them to do that role, it doesn't even make sense. So I believe as a church, though, we can decide uh, you know, who's going to baptize. It doesn't necessarily have to be a deacon or a pastor or an evangelist. We could commission somebody maybe temporarily or maybe just, you know, that's kind of one of the things they do in the church. I mean, most of the time we're not going to have a need for that. There's no reason why I can't do it. So, But at the same time, the need could come. Some of these men I talked to that were from another country, when they asked me about that, I told them, I said, now, you know, I believe if a church commissioned you guys to baptize, that would be fine. But the thing is, you kind of need to be connected with that church somehow. And they're in a tough situation, but I don't believe we ought to get sloppy with this stuff. And I told them, if you guys can find a church somewhere that you can kind of be a part of, that you can be accountable to, that will keep tabs on you, and if they want to commission you to do that, then I would say go for it. Knock yourself out. I would respect that. But 
It, 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 right now, though, I told him, I don't think you guys ought to just go rogue and do your own thing and be baptizing people. I think you need, I think you need to have a church behind you. And, you know, that, that's my opinion on that, but I do think it's, once again, it's not spelled out in the Bible, but I do think it's Bible based. So what baptisms will we accept as a church? Well, first off, only those done by immersion, after salvation, and both the baptized and the baptizer must be in agreement on that. You say, well, when I got baptized, I did, I didn't do it for salvation. Yeah, but did the guy baptizing you think you were, you had to do that to go to heaven? Because if that's the case, that guy's a heretic. He's not saved. That church is completely out of line. They're not a church of Christ if they're doing that. If they're teaching you have to be baptized to go to heaven, that's not what Jesus taught. So we're not, so you, the person who got baptized and the one baptizing them need to be in agreement on that. If that church is, uh, you know, teaches you have to be baptized to go to heaven, we're not going to accept that baptism by that person. It must be done under the authority of a legitimate church. And I hate to say this, but I don't think that necessarily means it has to be Baptist. I believe there's other churches that aren't Baptists that are preaching the right gospel. I, I, you know, I, I wish I could tell you. If they ain't Baptist, they ain't saved. I wish I could tell you that. But I don't think I can go that far. And so that's why the reason I think a Tyler Baker baptism would count is because of the fact that he did it while under the authority of Faith Forward Baptist Church. And because proper authority was behind it, I believe it should be recognized. But now, if somebody went and says, well, I'm going to go down to Valiant Baptist and get baptized, I'm sorry, trash can baptism don't count. Okay? You know, that, you know, that, that church, it's, it's not legit. It's not okay. And so, but, it, but it was there because the proper authority was there. And so when we talk about baptisms, we don't need to talk about who baptizes, but we need to talk about whose authority you are baptized under. Was it just some little kid? Was it a circus clown? Was it a heretic, or was it done under a real church? And you know, but the other thing we're not going to do too, when we go out souling, you know what question we never ask people? Who baptized you? Have you have we ever anybody ever gone to the door? And tell me if you did this, so we can ban you from souling here. You go knock on somebody's door, say, "Hey, if you died today, have you been baptized?" Okay, we don't do that, do we? You know what we do? We try to find out if they're saved. We're going to see if they're professing Christ. If they're not professing Christ, we got a problem. We teach them about the baptism afterwards. Because it's something we do afterwards. Why? Because we want to find... But when somebody comes into our church and they say that they're saved and they want to be a part of our church, you know what we ask them? Have you been baptized? You know why? We're wanting to see, all right, are you taking your walk with Christ serious? If you're not willing to take the first step and get baptized, then obviously this is the wrong place because we're preaching the whole counsel of God here. We're trying to teach people that they ought to follow Christ. And you ought to be baptized. You ought to be willing to publicly identify yourself with Jesus Christ. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're in the wrong church. You're not going to be a member here. So we ask them that afterwards. And that way, that's a way that we as a church can judge whether or not this is somebody that should be in fellowship with our church. So we will question, you know, obviously we're going to question the salvation when they come in. But after we get the salvation established, then we will question the baptism. Because that is going to determine whether or not they're going to be in fellowship with us. So I believe this is another area where we are, we are to make decisions as a church on what we're going to do. 
And I believe we have that authority. And when we decide what we're going to do, it ought to be with the desire to do it decently in order. Baptism, it's an ordinance that God gave to the church and we're going to take it serious. We're not going to do waterside baptisms. We're not going to do dunk tank baptisms. We're not going to accept baptisms from priests and monks and heretics and things like that. We're going to, we're going to only count ones that were done right, that were done by immersion, that were done after salvation, not for salvation. We're not going to accept members who have not been scripturally baptized. We want people who are wanting to follow Christ. They're wanting to follow His steps. And what was one of the first things, the first thing Jesus did when He started His ministry? He went and He got baptized. Why? To fulfill all righteousness. He was setting the example. He wanted us to do it too. And so we're going to do it. We're going to do it decently and in order. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Lord, I pray You'll help us to take these things serious. Help us to uh, use the authority that You've given us properly in a biblical way. And I just pray You'll help us to, um, Lord, make a difference. I pray we'll see many more people baptized as we tell people about You and, and we encourage them to follow You. I pray You'll help us be a good example in this. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.